Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. The New York Knicks held a nine-point lead with 34 seconds left and got a dramatic win over the... Oh, wait. They lost. They lost. 60-21-10 and 10 for Luka Doncic, Alex. The Knicks, an all-time collapse in what was previously going to be their win of the season. Yep. And uh, it wasn't fun. <laughs> We're going to talk about why it wasn't. But at least we'll also give some... Uh, uh, you know, pats on the back to the players that played super well. Quentin Grimes, new career high in points. Manuel quickly, new career high in assists. And they did fairly well, all things considered, uh, considering they were down RJ Barrett and Jalen Brunson. So that's all coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. Here he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. He now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's out. Anthony for three. You are Locked On Knicks. Thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day we're now available on all platforms, and that includes on YouTube. But hey, who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. You can check out all their great work on all forms of social media at the Strick.land. The New York Knicks, Alex, 34 seconds away, a nine-point cushion away from what I would say was easily their best win of the season. I was all ready to come on this podcast and say, hey, as as long as we've been doing this about about four years now, which is crazy, this is as good as it got for the New York Knicks. No Jalen Brunson didn't get to make his his fairy tale, honestly. Uh, Dallas return. R.J. Barrett, uh, Luca, Luca Longnails, Luca Scissorhands, uh, causes a laceration in the opening 94 seconds of this ball game. RJ's out for the night. We don't know how long. We'll, we'll keep you updated on that. Um, and the New York Knicks, frankly, have no business winning this game. And it is an all-time effort, a career-best effort from Quentin Grimes. Julius Randle proving once again, this it feels crazy these words are coming out of my mouth, that he is an all-star. That was an all-star performance from Julius Randle and more. Emmanuel quickly setting near assist records for the New York Knicks, 11 in the first half. Mitchell Robinson getting everything done on both ends. A post-up, Alex. He scored, he scored on multiple post-ups. Um, I said a post-up, post-ups. Um, and yet, uh, because everyone played uh, somewhere between 70 to 100 minutes in this one, uh, and and just some some honest, some, some youthful mistakes, some missed free throws, the New York Knicks, um, and, and unfortunately, some Luka Magic, the New York Knicks, cannot hold on. They lose in overtime, 126 to 121 to the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, and it's a shame that all those great efforts were wasted by the fact that Tibbs couldn't find a way to not play four separate guys, basically an entire full game's worth of minutes, even in an, an overtime game. I mean, it's just, to me, I, I, I look at this and I'm like, you know, what – what is the excuse for this? Like, and, and in what world did he think this was going to work? You know, like, does he not understand how human bodies work? Like, 
how even if you are the best conditioned person in the NBA, that you can't exactly just go out there and like play 17 straight minutes plus to end a game and be totally okay. I just, I don't understand it. I mean, if you look at the minute totals, you can scratch RJ from it with the minute and a half, obviously. But Julius Randle, 45 minutes. Uh, Quentin Grimes, 48 minutes. Emmanuel Quickly, 51 minutes. Deuce McBride, 46 minutes. And then Mitch got, you know, a quote-unquote break, 36 minutes there. And then three guys got up off the bench, two of which were bigs, which explains why Mitch got the most, you know, break of anybody. Uh, you know, Hartenstein plays 11 and a half minutes. Sims plays 13 and a half. And then Derek, Derek Rose plays 12 and a half minutes. I just, in a, look, I understand maybe there's some sort of mandate from the front office of like, you know, don't play Cam Reddish. We're trying to trade him, whatever the case may be. But this team also clearly wants to make the playoffs this year and wants to, you know, do something with, you know, like that's not losing a winnable game against the Mavericks in which a lot of their players are playing really well. And so like, to me, this is like, if, you know, if Tibbs was like an office manager and, you know, corporate said, Hey, here's a company card. You can only use this in emergency situations. And then Tibbs is watching a fire in the kitchen and going, you know what? I don't think I'm going to charge that fire extinguisher to this. Cause they said only in emergencies. I think we can handle this with a cup of water, you know, no big deal. This will be fine. I just, you know, I can understand saying don't play Cam Reddish if you don't add, you know, like just don't play him. But then I'm pretty sure that if Leon Rose called Tibbs tomorrow morning and Cam Reddish should play 20 minutes after RJ Barrett gets hurt in the first two minutes, he could have just been like, Hey, I wanted to win the game and we won the game. Is that not what I'm here to do? I just, I don't understand the rigidity of this guy sometimes. And it, again, it is such a shame that the Knicks lost this game because I can't fault any of the players, even with missed free throws and everything else, like it missed rebounds, whatever. Like you can't fault them because like, it's not their fault that they got put in a place to play like, a full game's worth of minutes without any break in this game. It's on Tibbs that he did that and decided not to unglue some guys from the bench to make up for the fact that they had two extremely key, like 35 plus minute per game players hurt in this game. And they lost 40 points of offense in this game. Like I just, oh, man, it's so frustrating. And I understand that the eight game win streak probably bought him a little more rope, but I really hope that these last few losses are starting to put us on the track of Tibbs not being coach anymore because I've just I've grown so tired of the the rigidity and the inability to adapt to anything that this guy brings to this team. And I really feel like based off what we saw in that win streak, that this team is better than this. And the change I think that needs to happen at this point is an injection of some some fresh ideas some fresh blood into the coaching position at this point, because it's just, ah, man, like this game, the bulls game, it's like late game execution is just killing these guys. And part of that's on the players, but late game execution largely, you know, game plan wise is on the coach and it's looking real bad for Tibbs right now. 
Yeah, could have could have desperately used Cam Reddish um, if he was totally off the board. Honestly, like one Fournier. of like Evan Fournier, Steve McKaylu. Like th- this isn't like if, they, if there's a decent matchup for Fournier, and 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 granted, like I, I guess the concern there is is that like you're just gonna have um, Luca like pick on him and and just put him in screens all the game and try and get him one on one. I mean, guess what? That was Luca was scoring on any on everyone and anyone tonight. So I, I don't know if that mattered. And, and with all Dallas's shooters, there were guys out there he could have guarded. Uh, the other big. Thing from Tibbs that, that will, I think, rightfully get questioned. Uh, did not uh, try and sub in Jericho Sims um, on that on that rebound uh, when Luca missed the second free throw. And I, I guess the logic there was like whoever secures the ball, like we want them to be, we want it to be, we want to be confident that someone can make the free throw. And I, I think Dallas had um, a timeout left. I'm not 100 percent sure about that. Um, I'll, I'll try and double check that, but. Um, so I guess I guess the the case is like, are right, you get the rebound, they foul, like you go over two, they can call timeout and like push the ball up the court and get a final shot. That's it's not the end of the world, but I'm I'm a little surprised he didn't go that direction. And and, and to your point, yeah, the the minutes the minutes totals were were just brutal and and it was it was particularly I mean Emmanuel quickly you could just tell had no juice by the end of this game just just has not been asked to carry that kind of load this whole season. Quentin Grimes same deal in overtime, just lost his lift, missed that free throw. Julius completely wiped as well and it, and it, it killed the Knicks down the stretch I mean I mean on those free throws like Julius like you you saw when um, there's a graphic up when Dallas was up by three in overtime they were five for six on free throws the Knicks were two for six on free throws Julius missed two Grimes missed one Deuce went three for four down the stretch which honestly I'm okay with that like given the pressure and that he's never had to shoot free throws like that in the NBA in his life um, but just in general, like down the stretch, the offensive execution w- was was pretty dead. Again, they were really, really reliant on, on on basically saying, "Hey, Julius, go create some magic and like give him credit. Like he got what should have been the game-winning bucket that that put the Knicks up by nine with 34 seconds left. Or excuse me, he had sorry, he had two. He had the one with about 50 seconds left, which was where he just drove in on Powell, did a little up fake, step through, got it to go. That was with 44 seconds left. And and then there was the play, um, or excuse me, that was with 145 left. And then with 44 seconds left, he put them up by nine again, which was uh, the play where Luca was begging for the eight-second violation, didn't get in. Julius just drove to the room and scored. And yeah, that should have been enough. And and it was kind of an insane set of circumstances that it wasn't enough. But that's why you keep guys fresh. Like if there's a world where it could go to OT, that's that, that's why you have those guys. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, again. I I think we should start getting to highlighting what the Knicks did, what the what the players did well in this game because I have no interest in talking about this too much more. My God, oh this game, yeah. Especially it, like keep in mind the Bulls game was like five days ago. Yeah, and yeah. and you thought that was about as bad as the claps could get, and and the basketball gods were like, nope, you haven't you haven't yeah, seen anything just, yet. This one just ripped my freaking heart out, man. Yeah, especially when I think I saw someone mention that they that. On replay, you could see that Luca's last uh, missed free throw that he wound up getting the rebound of didn't hit the rim, either. Oh wow! Which uh, that's awesome uh, that that they missed that call. I, I won't even get into the refs on this one, which I think Luca owes uh, about fifteen of the points that he scored to just uh, uh, just cradling him like a baby officiating. Anyway. I think before let's let's talk about Quentin Crimes and Emmanuel quickly. I can't talk about this anymore. <laughs> uh, we'll get to the next uh, segment in just a second and talk about Grimes and quickly and how great they were. But I just want to remind everybody today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. 
And I tell you what, Prize Picks is my favorite daily fantasy platform. And it's because they've kind of changed the game in a very productive way. No longer are you playing against a bunch of other players and selecting a team based off like a budget and all this other stuff and facing a bunch of professionals that just set like these perfect lineups and buy out like half the entry so that they can win every possible money spot. No more of that with prize picks. Thank goodness. With prize picks, it's just you versus numbers. You pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. You don't compete against other people. It's just you versus projections, and they offer projections on any sport that you watch, which includes the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. You can make an entry in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy tonight. Maybe you're feeling like a masochist. You could have been like Luka Doncic over whatever the heck they picked <laughs> point total wise for him. And you 59, it would have been, 20, and nine. <laughs> yeah, you could pick Luka Doncic over 59 points if they said it that. Hey, you would have won. Uh, and you also could have picked Julius Randle over 20 points and Quentin Grimes over 20 points and Manuel Quickly over eight assists. And maybe you could have won a whole bunch of money and, and cried yourself to sleep, uh, wiping your eyes with $100 bills. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> the reason you can get that money so fast is that prize picks offer safe and fast withdrawals and they're currently operational in over 30 States and Canada. So download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars with promo code locked on. And if you deposit a hundred dollars, prize picks will give you a hundred dollars. If you deposit $50 prize picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up. For an instant deposit match up to $100. All right. And we are back to Locked on Knicks. And uh, I think it's time to get into some positives here, Gavin. Uh, Let's talk about, uh, you know, I'll throw it to you first. Who you want to talk about first? Quickly, Grimes, maybe Randall. I don't know. Your yeah, your choice, bud. All, all all good options. I I, I appreciate. It. I feel I feel like a kid at a candy store uh, where <laughs> where just everyone else died. Um, but Quentin Grimes, uh, career night, thirty three points, twelve of twenty five from the field. That is uh, some quick math here on my part. Forty eight percent shooting, seven of sixteen from three. That's the really impressive part. Six rebounds, four assists. Um, this don't forget twenty nine straight minutes to end the game. Yeah, yeah, all, all, all positives as as we noted. Um, th- I mean, this is one of those games that makes you believe he could he can make a Desmond Bain like star turn um, a year from now if he gets the opportunities, if he gets the touches. The second R.J. Barrett went out in this game, I was I was kind of looking at Quentin Grimes and, and 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 Emmanuel quickly and saying, "All right, you guys, you guys both this this is your chance to shine. Who's going to take advantage of?" And Grimes was like, "It's all me." It started off with a. 27 foot step back three on Luka Doncic, just ridiculous footwork. Um, got a 29 footer off of a little dribble handoff from Randall all night, just brilliant work attacking closeouts. And and I, I'm going to make this a combo one. I mean, I mean, Julius deserves a shout out here as well. These time and time again, Julius just, I mean, we, we, we got Euro Julius again. Um, he, he played like, throw the EDM music on. He was, he was just making rapid fire, quick passes that again, were catching the Mavericks off tilt. And Grimes is so decisive, such a good first step. And when he, when he made whatever it was, five threes in the first half or so, they had to start playing up on him. 
and, and Grimes was just taking advantage, an absolute beast around the rim. That, that, to me, was the defining quality of this game for the Knicks. And look, if you want to say something in Tom Thibodeau's favor, these guys play like dogs in the best sense of the word. Like, like that play where, where Quentin Grimes um, like missed the layup and then just got his own rebound, bumped into uh, Dwight Powell and put it back in. I, I was ready to go run through a wall. Um, had another just dirty finish where he exploded past Luca, had an up and under um, on THJ, and then uh, beat Dinwiddie for his fourth offensive rebound of the game and a putback. Um, that was right when the Mavs had cut it to 99-95. That made it uh, 101 uh, to 95. But yeah, Alex, if if, if you're looking for the mold of how Quentin Grimes can be a star, it's a guy who comes out there, shoots 12 threes a night, hits four or five of them, gets a couple of attacks on closeouts, makes some really smart passes, had that one to Mitch for the and one. Um, I mean, y- you see a player who can, who can be more than just an elite role guy. Yeah, I was going to highlight that Mitch pass too. I mean, that was the that was the wow moment mm. of the game for me from Grimes. Like, And he, he's made some passes like that in his career so far. Uh, but that one just really stood out to me because in a game where he was scoring as well as he was, to still look for that pass just like – that that said to me, like, okay, this guy gets it. Like, he's not just out here trying to get his, like, not that I thought that he would, but based off how he's played so far in his career. But I was like, this guy just, like, gets it. Like, he knows what play to make. And he was like, you know, we, we've talked about, like, the game starting to slow down for R.J. Barrett, you know, over the last few weeks when he's been playing better. This game, it felt like, as far as this season goes, I know Grimes had some good games already, but this one felt like the one where it was like, everything was in slow motion for him and he was moving full speed, you know, like he was just processing so well that Mitch pass, he, he puts the ball on the floor, gets inside and then starts cutting his way back across to the other side as if he's going to dribble it back out and reset. And then just real quick looks, looks to one side, slips a little pass into Mitch to his left and Mitch goes up and, and finishes it. I mean, it was just a, a lovely play from him uh, on top of the fact that, I mean, yeah, the, the shot making was fantastic. They needed every bit of it. And again, it's a real shame that this did not turn into like the Grimes game because this should have been like the Grimes game where it was like, oh, okay, yeah, the Knicks might have, they might be cooking with something here with this guy. You know, not that we didn't think that already, but this was another level of it with RJ Barrett out and with Jalen Brunson out. It almost felt like, it felt very similar to how he played in the summer league, actually, you know, where it was like, all right, we're going to trust you to do way more with the ball in this game. And he didn't quite run the offense to the extent that he did in summer league, but it was, it was a close enough impression that you were like, yeah, okay. Yeah. This is like, this is the dude that looks like an alpha on this team. And, you know, to your point too, like Julius Randle did everything to, to involve, Grimes in those ways Emmanuel quickly certainly did and you know was feeding Grimes among others you know and just looked amazing doing it uh on a night when he himself didn't have his offense going that much he was a huge plus on both ends just by the fact that he was facilitating so well and breaking down the defense at will uh and similar things could sort of be said for uh Deuce as well even if he didn't have the assist numbers to go with it you know he was able to get what he wanted on the offense end as well but yeah, Grimes, it was like, I don't want to call it a star turn performance or something like that, but it was certainly an eye opener and and a look, like you said, at if he can figure this out long term, 
you know, and, and put together performances kind of like this and shoot the, that volume of threes and have opportunities to do so, like there might be a, a, a big next step for him at some point, maybe as soon as like the end of this year or next year. Yeah. And I, I want to, I want to move on to Julius Randle because man, like for, for, first guy we were going to talk about this part of the whole game. I was, I was going back and forth, big, big debate for me because I, I thought this was a heroic performance for him as well. Uh, but first Alex, we got to tell everyone about our friends over at bet online, betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Rose the Fast is an easiest way to get your betting info, and that includes the latest odds on NBA games. I led you astray last night telling you to pick the Sixers over the Wizards. That did not go well. I will go with an overdog again, the Bucks, only four-and-a-half-point favorites against the Chicago Bulls. Uh, despite what that game against the Knicks would have you believe, the Bulls suck. Uh, the Bucks are very, very good. So I would, I would encourage you to go take the Milwaukee Bucks. Head to the website today to do so, or use your mobile device for more. Bet online. It is where the game starts. And we are back on Locked On Knicks. Julius Randle, forty-five minutes, uh, picked up three fouls uh, in the first quarter. And with Brunson out, with RJ out, I, I thought that was a death knell for the Knicks' chance in this game. It's like, RJ's right, going to come back. He's getting another two stupid ones. Nope. Uh, went until the, I think it was 4.53 left in the fourth quarter um, until he got his fourth foul. Never picked up or, or picked up one more, but stayed in the game. 29 points, 18 rebounds, four assists for Julius Randle. This one 11 to 23 from the floor, five for 11 from three, two for four from the stripe. Alex Wolf, what did, what did you make of his night? And it was fantastic. You know, he he did everything that was required of him in this game. Uh, you know, he the, I don't think the assist numbers fully bear out Mm-mm. just what he did, you know, in terms of keeping the ball moving in this game, being smart about taking his shots versus trying to get others their shots. Like I even worried that his overtime, you know, like the overtime was going to kind of turn into like Julius Randle just trying to play hero ball or whatever and even that wasn't the case. You know, he he was very measured, uh, very cool-headed. And just like, you know, quickly having the 11 uh, assists in the first half, he had a double-double by the end of the first half because he was just – he was tenacious on the on the glass, uh, ends with 18 rebounds. I mean, you want to talk about, again, like for as great as Luca's night was, overshadowed like four really fantastic nights for Knicks players in this game – you know, and that's and that's you know even saying that Deuce didn't have himself a great game, which I thought if you consider his two way impact, he had a, a pretty darn good game too. But like, you know, Randall 29, 18, and four in this one, and shoots almost fifty percent overall and almost fifty percent from three. Um, I don't know what more you could ask for out of him. I mean, this was a, a we we just released a podcast where I posited that maybe this season for Julius so far has been better. Than 2020 to 21. And I think this game was further proof of that. Like he spaced the floor beautifully. Uh, he attacked the rim like a madman and just did his usual thing lately of just finally realizing, like in year, what is a seven for him? Eight. Yeah. <laughs> finally realizing in like year eight, whatever, like, oh, I'm like a 250 pound ball of muscle and I can, you know, like leverage my way inside whenever I want to. 
and finish through contact and with force. And he did that a number of times in this game. And uh, yeah, I, I loved everything that he did. I don't know. It's again, this is such a weird game to recap because every single one of these players that we're going to go over, I basically am going to say, I freaking love their game. I thought that they played it as perfectly as they possibly could have. And I can't hold it against them that they faltered a bit down the stretch because they were so gassed. Like <laughs> that's basically the story of this game. And, you know, Grimes, Randall, now I'll throw it to you, Gavin. What about Emmanuel quickly? Like he had an amazing game too in his start. And I thought really stepped up to the plate as far yeah. as what was needed from him. I, I just had to say real quick on Randall. I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. That That is exactly what I wrote down in my notes. Um, just, just using like, it, it he is he has not played with this kind of physicality as a Nick. And then you'll you'll see him mow a guy down one possession and then like have picture perfect footwork on a catch and shoot three. And, and then I mean what was it in the second half? He hit a 30 footer from three point range. Um and, and then he's like as as I said time and time again, he's setting up grimes. He's he's going one on one in ISOs and like throwing pump fakes and step throughs and, and layups in big moments. Like he he this is this is an all-star right now. And this, this is coming from like the, the please trade Julius Randall boys. Like he is an all-star. Um, there's no other way to put it. Uh, he, he deserved a win in his hometown. I was heartbroken for him as much as anyone else, but yeah, Emmanuel quickly, man, what a, what a weird stat line. 51 minutes, five of 21 from the field, one for 10 from three, 13 points, easily a career high, 15 assists. Previous career high was 12. Um, got up to 10 assists in like the first 13 minutes of the game. I don't know about you, Alex. I was stunned when Breen threw that number out there. Like, I, I think I watched the game pretty closely. I take pretty meticulous notes. I was like, he's, he's 10 assists. Um, ended up getting 11 in the first half. That's second most in a half in Nick's history. He was the first Nick since a guy we mentioned last podcast, two in a row for, for my childhood hero, Stefan Marbury, who got that in 2005 against the Golden State Warriors. Um, brilliant playmaking. Despite the five for 21, I, I was so impressed with his shot making at different points in this game. Um, hit a couple of just ridiculous layups over Christian Wood. Um, had a had a fader at the elbow where he caught Christian Wood in no man's land. This was really, really encouraging for me. And, and like the, the the cherry on top of the Emmanuel quickly Sunday in this one was the the isolation step back three he got on Spencer Dinwiddie with 359 left in the game to make it 104-95. Um, I mean, it's crazy. The Knicks had that same nine point lead three minutes later, but even in that moment, four minutes left when, when quickly hit that shot, I was like, all right, this game is over. And unfortunately it wasn't. And I, I think for him more than anyone else, like for someone who just hasn't gotten to touch the ball a whole lot this year as a primary creator, this game was one outstanding in that. I, I think th this is something I've talked about a lot in the pod. Like he just plays with so much more clarity and intention when, when his role is, is clear. Um, and, and he, he knows that he's the guy with the basketball in his hands on a certain night. Um, but also he, he definitely wore out um, with, with that much responsibility. Yeah. As did everybody <laughs> again, Yeah, not to beat the dead horse, but everybody just died down the stretch. And he, he maybe it showed the most and go figure. He played the most minutes of anybody too. Uh, but I, I did think it was really, it was like gutsy on his part, I guess maybe it's the word. Like yeah. it showed a lot that he basically stepped in, and even on an off shooting night, it reminded me of some of Brunson's nights recently hmm. where he's had some off shooting nights the last few games prior to getting hurt and yet has still managed to turn it into a positive by just breaking down the defense and, you know, trusting that he would be able to find someone that can make a shot 
after you know he he does the dirty work of bending the defense than letting someone else break it. You know what I mean? And he he found Grimes. He was so key in getting Grimes going early in the game by by driving in and kicking out to him. He was key in getting McBride what buckets he did. And you know, look like it, once McBride starts hitting like thirty five percent of his threes, like it's freaking over, man. He like he impacts everything so positively elsewhere, like especially on defense. I mean, not to turn this into a McBride thing when I'm trying to gush about quickly, but like the job that McBride did and look, people are going to look at Lucas Statline and be like, obviously he just destroyed everybody that he faced partly true, but partly not like McBride for the amount of height, weight, everything that he was, you know, giving up to Luca made his life hell when he was guarding him. Like Luca had some really bad possessions uh, when guarded by McBride and he had somewhere he just finished over him because he was, he was that much taller and stronger and whatever. But like McBride is just like, he's, he's different as far as a defender. Like he's just so good. Anyway, back to quickly. Like I, I, I just thought that he did such a good job establishing the pace and not even just in, in half court or sorry, in full court, you know, like transition scenarios, which have always kind of been his bread and butter, but Half-court scenarios, too, I thought they did a great job of, you know, getting all the ducks in a row and getting everybody where they needed to be, you know, making the right call as far as when to pass, who to pass to, whether to take his own shot. And, like, he certainly didn't shy away from taking his own shot, too. What did he end up with, like, 15 shot attempts? 21. 20. Who? Hey, hey, who? Five for 21. Yeah. yeah, 21. All right, yeah, so even more than that, you know. And just not, like, a fantastic shooting game, but didn't let it affect his ability to still – run the offense and still contribute positively. Uh, so, yeah, just, you know, what, three for three, four for four. You know, uh, everybody had a great game <laughs> in this game. That includes Mitchell Robinson, too, if you want to talk about him. Yeah. Or if you want to talk about Deuce or quickly. I don't know. I mean, it's it's so easy to appreciate the effort that the, the players put forth in this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I just want a final note on, on, on Deuce and quickly. Like, I they some really great. I'm, I'm sure Tibbs Tibbs was telling them this, and, and assuming it was credit to him too. But and and Alan Hahn uh, making his, uh, as far as I know, MSG color commentator debut was was noting this too. Dallas uh, slowest team in the league. They do not want to play fast. And, and on a night when the Knicks were starved for half court creativity, um, I, I think quickly and Deuce did such a good job in the first half. Like pushing in non-turnover situations, pushing off makes, pushing off misses. And you saw again and again, like quickly going right at Christian Wood. Deuce, like who we never really see drive the ball, going right at Christian Wood. Like he, he had two really good, like like one little like push floater, one layup. Um, th- those those were big plays. And and again, sorry to, to, to at this point, the horse is, is, is long since dead. We're, we're beating like the horse's great grandson at this point. But um, in a game where the Knicks uh, like desperately – needed that added pace because the half court there just wasn't enough talent to get a lot of shots off a lot of good shots off against a pretty decent defense um the fact that these guys didn't have that same energy in the second half i mean that was that was massive that, that really hurt the knicks down the stretch and and it, it pretty incredible they came uh, they again should, obviously should have won this game uh, mitchell robinson uh one more positive uh 20 points 16 rebounds two steals man i i loved uh getting him a little post up to start the game because he, he has been playing as you know, what off. And, uh, and that, that is one thing I love from Tibbs, like rewarding the guy. And he actually got, I mean, he got what, if he made the free throw or he did make the free throw, he got it. He got an and one on Christian wood. 
um, to start this game and then had two more post-ups in the first half. And I, I think on another one, he drew a foul. And then on the next one, he cleared a lot of space and missed the layup. Um, and that was really good. I mean, in overtime, got that put-back dunk, also drew that foul. And Luca crashing the offensive glass. Like we've said it a million times, seven offensive rebounds in this game. The dude is just an absolute force of nature. Um, I I know part of it is just is Luca's brilliance. And I, I think the, the biggest factor for Dallas was – um, that they played uh, Christian Wood at the five the whole game. So Mitch was away from the rim. I would love for him to be able to affect someone like Luca more. But I mean, it's kind of the same thing you see with Rudy Gobert in the playoffs. Like if a team's willing to go five out, like you could have the best rim protector in the world. If he's sitting out there on the three-point line, like it's not going to make much of a difference. So that, that's not really on Mitch. That's that's good strategy from Dallas. But Alex, uh, last note for me, and then I'll, I'll throw it back to you to finish things off. Um the Knicks, uh, on some nights, they just got to ditch the two big lineup. Um, Isaiah Hartenstein and Jericho Sims. Uh, Sims only a minus one, but Hartenstein a minus 11. And what, what really killed them is, is they ran these plays to to get switches, right? Like one one time, like Hartenstein got a handoff to Quickly, and, and it led to Dwight Powell on him. And Quickly should have a layup in that situation, right? With, with most situations. The issue was Reggie Bullock, who was guarding Quickly, instead of um, switching onto Hartenstein. And when Hartenstein went out to the perimeter following him, he just said, all right, you want to let the 25% giant German dude shoot an open three? Go for it. And he, they just doubled quickly. And, and the Knicks, again and again, had offensive possession snuffed out when they were really starved for creativity. Um, so tonight, uh, one, one final dagger for Tibbs here, I guess. Uh, tonight was not the night for that uh, Jericho Sims, Isaiah Hardenstein lineup. Yeah, and that rigidity again, you know, it's like it's his calling card. It's like, oh, no, this is this is my... This is my lineup that I got throughout there at some point, regardless of the fact that the Mavs are like maybe one of the like premier teams in the league at busting up a style like that. Also, like, with no RJ Barrett, it just doesn't work because you don't you don't have enough scoring. Exactly. So, yeah, not great. Um, yeah, I'll just I, I'm in full agreement with you on that lineup having no place in this game. I'll just quickly give props to Mitch too. I mean, I thought he played his butt off. Like, I mean, he just. Uh, the amount of between him and Sims, the amount of rebounds that they affected were huge and were like a huge part of why the Knicks were able to gain a lead because the second chance points that they got off of those two guys, just like pulling their shorts up and like getting into traffic and, you know, jumping up and, and basically just playing volleyball uh, in the middle and, and tapping rebounds back out to the waiting guards around the three point line. I mean, that got the Knicks so many extra opportunities and really affected this game, you know, in, in a meaningful way for the Knicks. I mean, Mitch ends up with 16 boards. Sims ends up with eight. So that's 24 between the two of them. Uh, and I thought that those minutes were just so impactful that both those guys played. Um, and I also kind of liked that Sims was the first big off the bench and went in there as the the sole center when normally it's the opposite way where Hardenstein gets off the bench first, comes in, and then Sims eventually comes in for Randall and, you know, plays those like four minutes for the majority of of his time out there. Uh I I liked it a lot that maybe Sims has left Hardenstein in the the rotation because I think I made this point like maybe even on our last pot or maybe two pots ago. I don't know that you know, if you're just going to play Hart like you play Mitch, then you should probably just play Sims, who can do a better job of sort of imitating what Mitch does out there. 
at least as far as the rebounding and the lob threat and all that stuff. Uh, so, you know, it seemed like the Knicks kind of went that direction today. But at any rate, I'm done talking about this. I can't believe we've gone oh, 35 minutes. Just a horrible game. I'm so, oh, man, I just want to go to bed. Um, so, anyway, thank you all for listening. We'll be back, hopefully, to talk about a, a win over one of the worst teams in the league on Thursday. But right now, who's to say? <laughs> the Spurs might, Devin Vassell might score. 83 points against the Knicks on Thursday night, and I would not be surprised. So we'll see how it all goes, but we'll be here for you guys if slash when that happens. But for now, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace out.